Hey everyone, welcome to Pink Shade with Erin Martin, the podcast where we talk about all the shows we are addicted to, plus the reality stars we love even when we're giving them the side eye. I have a really special episode for you today. It is an exclusive interview with Ashley Perkins. Some of you may recognize this name if you're fans of Southern Charm, the original Southern Charm, not New Orleans, not Savannah, Charleston. Ashley has been in the headlines the past couple of weeks because she has been on social media and giving some interviews to different news outlets about the allegations that Thomas Ravenel, star of Southern Charm, sexually assaulted her mother three years ago in Charleston when they went on a single date together. This case was settled and both Ashley's mother and Thomas Ravenel signed NDAs, non-disclosure agreements, to speak about the matter since then. However, Ashley is speaking about it now, and she is going to tell us why, what details perhaps we don't know, and what she hopes to accomplish by making the story public. I'm going to let her speak for herself. I am giving her a platform to tell her story from her perspective. Everything she says is, of course, her opinion. She is on social media, free to speak with any of you who have questions, and she's also joined the Pink Shade with Aaron Martin Facebook group, so come on over there and join us if you haven't yet, and she is open to answering your questions after you listen to what she has to say. I'm sure you will have some. I'm really grateful to Ashley for coming on the Pink Shade podcast and talking about this issue. She definitely has some interesting points to make, and this is the only podcast she has done so far, so listen up and let me know what you think. You can follow me at Erin Leah Martin on Twitter and Instagram. I'd love to hear from you. All right, let's turn it over to Ashley. Well, I'm here today with Ashley Perkins, who has recently made a name for herself, maybe not in the way that she thought she would, but she is at the center of allegations that are resurfacing, allegations against Thomas Ravenel, and she has a lot to say and a story to tell. You might have read some articles where this has been laid out. I know that you Southern Charm fans out there follow this closely, and I'm so grateful to Ashley for coming on the Pink Shade podcast today to tell us her story and her mother's story in her own words. So first of all, I just want to say welcome, Ashley. Thank you, Erin. Thank you so much for having me on today. I look so forward to being able to get my mom's story out there, and I really appreciate you giving me this platform. Yeah, I appreciate you doing it. I think it's really brave of you. And I, I will just couch our whole discussion in, in the fact that I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't know any more than anyone else does. You know your truth. And so I am, I'm grateful that you're willing to share it and we can listen to it and then we can dig further and kind of see where this all goes. But your story and your mom's story are important ones to tell, especially in this time. So I guess we should start at the beginning and you know, maybe just tell us about your mother, Debbie Holloway Perkins, your mother's experience with Thomas on her date on December, was it December 25th, 2015? That's correct. Okay. Christmas of 15. Yeah. So what, what initially happened? And, you know, I know you, you maybe had your uh, memories from that night, but then found out later some details from the mediation, which we can get to. So I'll just have you start at the beginning. Okay, so my um, my mom and I were both, at that time period, going to, back to school to study hospitality and tourism. It was, uh, she was, my mom was doing that for my grandmother, because my grandmother passed away in 2014. It was always a dream of hers that my mom graduate. So we were busy with school. Um, my mom was never, like, she never dated a lot. Never had any serious boyfriends, never introduced, um, you know, her children, me or my sister to any men. Um, and I thought it would just be fun. We were going to school together. Um, I introduced her to Tinder. Didn't realize exactly what Tinder was um, in October of that year. Um, I regret that to this day, obviously. And sometime around October, she matched with Thomas Ravenel. She um, showed me, you know, his picture, and 
I knew him from the show. I didn't watch the show, but I recognized him. And I told her, I said, I think that's a fake account. I don't think that's, you know, really him. Yeah. Uh, so, so did you know I, him from being a public figure, though, too, not just from the show? No, I just knew him from the show. And then, I mean, obviously, I knew there was a bridge called the Ravenel Bridge, right. which I think is a name after his grandfather. I mean, everyone knew the Ravenel Bridge. But um, I just knew his, his face, you know, from the profile from Southern Charm. Right. And I, I thought he was fake. And I told her, I'm like, Mom, I don't think that's real. I even kind of laughed. I, I don't think he's real. And uh, lo and behold, he added her on Facebook. It was a real Facebook, and it was him. Um, they continued to communicate, you know, up until December. He asked her out a couple of times. One of the times, I believe it was like November, because I have a voicemail, um, 15th where he asked her to meet him at um, a place called Home Team Barbecue in West Ashley. And my mom declined because it was like last minute. Um, so I, I don't think she heard a lot from him until, you know, the December date. Mm -hmm. And just some backstory on, I would wonder this myself, why was she going on a date on Christmas night? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I think right. I would wonder that. Um, my grandmother passed away in 2014. So the next Christmas, you know, December 14, we tried to enjoy Christmas and, you know, it just, it, it was an epic fail. Oh, so yeah. we, ma we, we made, um, a decision to boycott Christmas that the year of 2015. Like we just didn't want to celebrate Christmas because, you know, we still miss my grandmother. Yeah, so I can understand that. And and then Thomas was free that day for a date, too. I mean, he had kids at this point, correct? He did. Now, see, my mom, I don't know if she knew about the little girl. We had no idea that, you know, Catherine Dennis had just had the, the little boy. Yes. So my mom generally would not go out with anyone with little kids. She's, you know, not interested in that right now at this point in her life. Right. So... But she certainly would not have gone out with him knowing that Catherine had just given birth. There's no way. Okay. So then she does end up going out with him on December she 25th. Does. Okay. He, um, I guess he asked her out that day. Um, I, there are voice, I do have voicemail evidence of, you know, when he came to pick her up, I, um, helped her get ready for the day. You know, she's kind of looking forward to it. They were supposed to go out for drinks, try and find somewhere downtown, you know, downtown Charleston that was open. She agreed to it. I mean, I heard all this because I was in the same room. Um, plans were made. I helped her get ready. As I've said before, I helped her pick out, you know, down to jewelry. I saw what her wrists looked like. You know, that no cuts on her wrist. She wore, you know, a bracelet that night. Mm -hmm. So... He um, came to pick her up. It was pretty early. I can't remember around, like, it was really, he ended up coming like an hour early. Um, and she, he got lost on the way and left a voicemail. At that point, I thought he sounded kind of, and I'm, this is my opinion, like he was inebriated. Mm -hmm. The street we lived on was called Winnowing Way. So that is hard to say, but he, it just sounded like he was, in my opinion, you know, slurring his speech, but. Okay. She, uh, she went out with him. She went, you know, I saw, you know, she walked out the door and she left. Um, so next time she calls me not too long after and all the date was over really fast and she called me and, you know, and I'm like, what's going on? She goes, I want you to meet me outside. I want you to meet me outside. And I'm like, what's going on? So she's like, just meet me outside. So I went outside and I met her you know, um, in the parking lot, we were living in apartments and he, um, dropped her off. He was driving a black SUV and he dropped her off. And then he, um, at that point I knew he was being rude to her. She was angry at him at that point. And he rolls down his window and says to me something along the lines of, Hey, I'm going to this party. Why don't you get some of your, some like, hot young girls to come join? What? Call me. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. And then he drove off. So there, there was a phone call from me. I, I told my mom, you know, I don't know if she, if I said, give me his, your phone or, you know, I, give me his phone number. And I 
called and chewed him out. I was like, no, you, you know, you don't treat my mother that way. Wow. So, um, and this is before your yeah. mom started telling you even what happened. Yes. At this point, I knew that something had happened, but I didn't know, you know, what had happened. You know, so he, he drives off really fast and he was going to some party. Um, so my mom at that point, you know, we go upstairs and at some point she, she's acting very, just not like herself, very quiet and withdrawn. And just all of a sudden she springs on me. He stuck his penis in my face. And I said, huh? She yeah. goes, he, you know, he's, he stuck his penis in my face. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then she described to me how he held her wrist down, you know, which would have the wrist injury and how he, you know, started, you know, uh, what's the word? It's kind of sticking his fingers, you know, and so, you know, trying to stick his fingers inside of her vagina. And then later her anal area trying to probe her. Um, and this, this happened just to, to clarify for listeners who maybe haven't read other articles about this, this happened in his guest house where his nanny was living with his children, but none of them were there at that point. Is that where it exactly. occurred? Okay. When, so what happened was when they, according to what I've been told through mediation and my mom, they pull up to his house and, you know, they're supposed to go to a bar. He changes the plans. They pull up to his home. And my mom was in, is still in real estate, but was in real estate. And he's like, let me show you my home and then I'll take you out. We'll get, you know, get a drink. My mom agreed. You know, it was a nice house. Okay. She thought he was safe. Um, and so they, he gave her a um, tour of the house. First, he poured them a, a little tiny glass of red wine, she said, and gave her a tour of his home, which she said it was very clinical felt like it lasted forever it was she was getting bored kind of like looking at her watch like yeah. can we go now yeah and, and then at one point there was a table and I don't know what room but like a little in you know like a kind of a table you'd have in a living room that had a broken corner like it, a piece of the corner was torn off and she said he just she said it felt like 15 minutes tried to put the, the piece of wood back on the table. Just very bizarre, almost like someone maybe who has like OCD behaviors would do. So, you know, she's sitting there drinking her little glass of wine, watching him try and put this corner back on the table. So she, at this point, oh, this is weird. Then he's like, let me show you my guest house. So she agreed. And they went to the guest house and one of the main things that, um, you know, stuck out to her later was the little girl's room, um, Kenzie's room. She said it was like, just not like a child, you know, not lived in. It was like a, a little mattress kind of on top of, you know, bed springs. She described a little tent that was in the room and the color of it, which actually later, ended up being on Southern Charm. And I was like, oh my goodness, there's the tent. So she knew this before it was on. And it just, she was kind of turned off then, like what kind of father is this? Then he proceeded to tell her that the little boy was going, well, they, they, the children lived in the guest house, but he proceeded to tell her that the little boy was going to sleep in this bathroom in the laundry room, like a laundry room bathroom. I mean, I assume he was going to convert it. Okay. And, my mom was just like, you're living in that big house and you're going to stick your kid in the bathroom. Wow. So then they um, proceed to the nanny's room and he started, um, Thomas started um, peering out of the blinds, kind of like pulling them open and peeking out. And he said real, you know, creepy like to my mom, come over here, come look. So she thought like, she was like, what? She thought some weird person was, you know, like outside. Right. Right. So she comes, she, she looks out of the window and she's like, what, what? And he like points to this. Apparently you can see a bathroom of the main house from the guest house. And he goes, you see that? And she's like, no, he goes, that bathroom there. That's where Catherine was making out with, um, 
a guy, and I don't remember the name of the guy, but at that point, he went, according to my mom, into this bizarre trance. You know, he did the blinds. He, you know, brought up Catherine Dennis and some guy she allegedly was making out with in this bathroom. And that's when he turned on my mom and proceeded to allegedly sexually assault her. My mom's very claustrophobic. I mean, I'm very claustrophobic. Like, we don't even like elevators. So to be held down like that was very triggering for her. So he had her held down. And um, like I said, he pulled his penis out, shoved it in her face, shoved his fingers inside of her. And she said the whole time it was like he wasn't even seeing her. He was in a trance. Up till that point, I mean, the date hadn't even been romantic or it had been clinical. And so he's, you know, whipping his belt off. And then she screamed at him, you're a rapist. And she said it was like pouring ice cold water on the man. He froze like it was a trigger word. And he stopped. Got off of her. He just stopped just like that when he heard that? He just stopped. He heard the word rapist and just stopped. Wow. And like he was out of his trance. And she said at that point, you know, the fear kind of became anger. She realized, okay, I believe he said to her something like, get your purse, you know, whatever. You know, and she had to go get her purse out of the main house. He broke a wine glass in the sink because, you know, he has a temper. And she um, forced him to drive her home. I don't, that I I was kind of mad at her about, but she was in shock and she did allow him to drive her home. But she said that once he was out of the trance, it was, he was done sexually. So she didn't feel like, you know, he was a threat at that point. And on the, on the ride home, does she recount anything there? Was he trying to make any excuses for himself or was it just a ride in silence? Has she spoken about that? Oh, it wasn't a ride in silence. He spent the car ride going off about how she wasn't even um, his type, putting down her age. And I believe at one point she's, oh, and how, and how um, he was on a higher class level than her, and how he had more money than her, and um, and how her daughter was older than his baby mama. And she, like, I remember she told me that she said, um, uh, you're older than me, <laughs> which she is. <laughs> Good for her. I mean, in that moment, I can't believe she could even gather words, frankly, you know, if again, allegedly, well, this is what happened, but I, I'm going with this story and I appreciate you telling it. I can't imagine what was going through her mind on that ride home. I, I can't either. And like I said, you know, I felt like she was angry like when she got out of the car. And then it became like just she was withdrawn and very quiet. And I'm, it wasn't like my mom. And I'm like, you know, then she just, it took her a little while to tell me that, you know, what happened too. And so she was just really quiet. We, um, slept in the same room together that night. And, um, you know, obviously the next day I started and, um, I had her start researching like, who is this person? She didn't want to do anything. Had I not been around, she, she would have, she was, didn't want to do anything. She kept mentioning the William Kennedy Smith trial, which um, I was not familiar with. Apparently, she felt like that woman, you know, was raped on the, the re-raped on the trials, you know, stand. And she didn't want to do that. And um, so I talked her into letting me take the first wrist picture. I'm like, you, you know, you feel that way right now, but you don't know how you're going to feel you know, a few days from now, let's just document, you know, as much evidence as we can. And let's just, you know, decide what you want to do. So we started, you know, found out about his cocaine, whatever, arrest. I spent time in jail for cocaine. And, and then um, I made her watch, you know, you know I watched uh, the Southern Charm and had her watch some of it. And frankly, had I watch Southern Charm prior to their date, just him speaking French that in one of the episodes, 
was just so I'm gonna use the word dorky doofusy. <laughs> I would have it was just a doofus. I would she would have never gone out with him. Yeah, I mean, I wonder, it's kind of shocking to me, but I'm I'm so in the world of reality TV, I was thinking, how could you live in Charleston and not know who Thomas Ravenel is? But I mean, you clear that up for us, I think, because you're saying, you know, you, you kind of knew there was a bridge, you knew he was sort of a public figure, but if you don't watch the show, he's not that big of a deal. No, and honestly, to me, even if you watch the show, other than being a doofus, he's not. He's and, not, right. He comes off yeah. as, as trying to make himself seem like a pretty big deal on the show. Yeah, right, but in, I mean, we lived in Charleston 20 years. 20 years we lived in Charleston. We moved right after she settled, um, so two years ago. Um, but he was, like I said, I recognized his face, but we didn't watch the show we were in school full time. So, and my mom hates reality TV other than like the bachelor we used to watch. Right. So right. that's just not something we, we like the walking dead. We watch, but we don't watch a lot of reality TV anyway. But like I said, had he's just the way he comes across, that wouldn't have been the kind of guy my mom would have wanted to go out with, frankly. So you were encouraging her to go to the police or just to take the pictures or what was, what were you encouraging her to do initially after well, I mean, the incident? I don't, didn't know that much about what to do. I never thought, you know, yeah. we would encounter that. So of course I guess not. the first, the first thing you think is, you know, gather evidence. So I was thinking, you know, I guess you would go to the police. So, um, about, I guess it was, it was December 30th. Now, I was unaware of, um, she apparently wrote Catherine Dennis on December 30th and warned her. That's who it appears the Twitter emails are to, and that's on a couple of different websites. But she warned, Kath, wrote Catherine Dennis and, you know, like, told her what happened and sent her those wrist pictures. Um, and was I, there any and, response? I mean, from what I've read, because I have the screenshots now, because they're on Fitz News, um, and I don't have it pulled up, but Catherine did respond. She's like, what? He did that to you? And my mom said yes and um, provided his phone number. And I don't know what happened with that. She wanted to warn Catherine about him being violent. You can tell from the... uh, you know, the exchange, my mom made a throwaway Twitter account and wrote her and trying to warn her about how dangerous he is. Then um, I talked her into, so this was December 30th. I talked her into um, contacting a um, lawyer friend of hers. He, he um, practices medical malpractice, I believe, but he's a prominent lawyer. His, um, his name's Jay McKay. I actually have published their Facebook exchange online and she contacted him and told him in her words what had happened. And, you know, he, and she didn't tell him, him, you know, Thomas's name and he automatically guessed who it was and said, Oh, T-Rav, he's notorious for that. I read that on your page and, and just so the listeners know, I will link up um, these articles and Ashley's page. And so you can go and take a look at this all yourself. But yeah, I read the, the response from the lawyer and I thought that was pretty telling when he said, yeah, he's notorious for that. And he also knew who it was. I, I know. I was just like, wow. And, 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 and yeah. you know, just that's one reason I'm talking now is I, I do feel like, in my opinion, that there are other women. I don't believe this was isolated. It's just, I don't, based on his actions on television, the way he talks to women on television. I don't believe, I don't believe it's isolated. And that's my opinion. Um, is that part of the reason you're coming forward is because you want, it's not just about your mom. Oh, exactly. This is bigger than my mom. This is, I, you know, and it is anger about my mom and, you know, I sat silent for two years because I thought I had to. And once I found out, you know, that I did not have, you know, I could talk. I, I mean, when someone in your family, you know, something like that happens to someone in your family, it doesn't just affect the victim. It, it affects everyone around the victim. And 
And I mean, changed her life. She, you know, did, she's still on anxiety medication and antidepressants. That changes a personality. You know, he GPSed us. I found out, that, you know, through mediation, which is just makes you feel creepy. Explain that. I read that detail and I was shocked by that. So you found out that Thomas had your mother's car under GPS surveillance. Is that before mediation a year later? Right. So I'm not sure exactly when he was served papers because once she went to Gloria Allred, you know, that was lawyer, client, privileged information. But I assume he was served based on just the timeline of things sometime in February of 16. Um, so, yes, once he was served, he at some point hired a private investigator and the car I was driving was in her name, too. So I assume both cars were GPS. And obviously, he did the private eye wasn't going to find anything because my mom was so like she was very clingy. I became her like support person that she didn't want to go anywhere or do anything. She had to start a new job. So the only thing he could have um, GPS her doing was work, church, or a doctor's appointment. Right, grocery school. store. Yeah. Right. Well, actually, I started doing that. I mean, I I handled stuff like that. Like she really. She had to do that job because it was part of her school internship. Yeah. So that was stressful enough. So, um, yeah, he was his private eye. I don't know who he was, but this is how bad he was. I found out in mediation. This was their big aha moment. My mom on Facebook, after serving Thomas papers at some point, posted a throwback picture of the two of us. At a getting ready to go see the Cure band um, ten years ago. Oh, at that time it would have been ten years ago. That was their big aha moment that my mom had been out partying since Thomas's alleged, you know, assault. That's what they. What did they use that as a character defamation or something? Th- they were trying they, to they, do. They. I mean, pardon me, but they were so stupid. Whoever the PI was was so stupid. They didn't realize it was a throwback <laughs> picture. They thought that my mom was out going to concerts, you know, during this time frame. But it was so I was there and I like looked at the um, lawyer and I said, yeah, that picture is like 10 years old. Yeah, that's ridiculous. So but also that they're even trying to say, oh, she, is, is this like their att- poor attempt to say she doesn't have PTSD? Obviously, the picture is so old, it doesn't make any sense. But was that what they were trying to say? Exactly. OK, yes, that's, that, that she did not have PTSD that she was, oh, they also, in mediation, accused her of lying about um, going to the, the doctor to get on, um, you know, Xanax and the antidepressants, which, okay, there's doctor's records. So that was something else they tried to prove that she didn't really go on these medications. And, um, you know, obviously, my mom had her records and she had not been on them, you know, that was a new, it was right after Thomas. So, right. And I read, so this, this mediation that we're talking about, so we'll go to this point. So it's a year later, 2016, you and your mother participate in it via Skype with her lawyers, Gloria Allred being one of them. And with Thomas's lawyers who are, are are they in New York? Is that correct? Right. Okay. Well, um, Gloria Allred, so they wanted my mom to go, he wanted to do all this in New York. So my mom at that time did not want to be in a room with him. And she didn't want to fly. So one of um, Gloria Allred's team members, Renee Mockatel, I believe is how you pronounce her name. We met her at her suite um, at the Charleston Place, you know, Belmont. And Thomas was in New York with his attorney, um, Gloria Allred, and then um, Gloria Allred's partner, um, Nathan Goldberg. They were in New York City. Okay. So then they were in New York City and you uh, Skyped in, but you were present for all of the proceedings with your mother. I was right. I okay. was there the, the entire, the entire time because it, initially I was a witness, you know, because I was there that night and I was there when they discussed these things called brackets, which, to the, which is, you know, down to deciding what settlement he was going to, you know, pay. And apparently, according to Gloria Allred's brackets, give Thomas headaches. What? Just a quote. 
my he god. Didn't lie. It's 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 all these numbers. So okay, I was there okay. Down to the last you know the whole time. So this would be the at the end of this mediation, there was a settlement reached, which he then paid your mother, and your mother had to sign an NDA, a non disclosure agreement. Then, or was that sometime afterwards? They reached the the, the two hundred thousand dollars settlement that day, and I remember now. I don't know if she signed the NDA that day, or if it was a few weeks later, because I had to witness for her. She um, signed something like through at our home. And I think that was the official drawn up, you know, paperwork. And I was the witness and Renee Mocatel. Um, it was via Skype again, um, w- watched my mom sign it. So I think the initial or the, or the NDA was signed later, but I, I'm not sure about that. But it was sort of part and parcel of the agreement or the settlement. Is that true? Yes, it okay. was part of the settlement. Okay. So how did your mom feel about all of this? When it, when it happened, she got this settlement. She said her piece. It went away, but she could never talk about it again. What, what Can you talk about her feelings? Or I don't know if you want to. Well, I mean, she can't, you know, has, she's under an NDA, right. as is Thomas. So... I know that it caused her enough anxiety that, um, you know, she did finish, ended up graduating with honors and um, for a degree that she ended up not being able to use. So, I mean, she's still in real estate now. We completely, you know, changed our lives and she wanted to get away from him. And she as a kid vacationed um, in Panama City Beach, which is where we are now. Okay. And... She was just wanted to, she wanted out of Charleston and didn't want to be anywhere near him. So um, we up and moved after 20 years. And then, you know, he, everything's going great, whatever. You're not great, but, you know, it, you feel safer. We moved. He randomly, and there's phone records, we're sitting in the living room called my mom's phone almost one year to the anniversary of the, you know, date. Um, in December of 16, I don't know what he wanted because obviously she didn't answer. Okay. So she had the same phone number. So he would have that number. Right. Okay. Yes, she did. And so you're, give us the timeline of the mediation. Was that in, was that months before then? That was June 1st. June 1st of 2016. And so then he calls your mom in December, but she doesn't pick up. Correct. What did she make of that? Did that re-trigger her or? It, it, freaked, it freaked us both out, frankly. I yeah. mean, again, just any, you feel violated when you, you know, just when someone has hired a private eye and they, who knows if the GPS is still on the car, you know, and it was very creepy. And, um, I believe she, con- I know she contacted her attorneys. I assume they, you know, told him, you know, this is inappropriate. Don't contact her again. He didn't, but I, I just, find it hard to believe it was a coincidence that he called her phone almost one year to the day. Almost one year to the day after the alleged attack. So that would be almost December 25th the next year. Exactly. Okay. So then she was stressed out, you know, during the Christmas season again, and it was just, Oh yeah. More, more things that, you know, as her daughter makes me angry. And again, like I said, it Sometimes this affects everybody, you know, around that person. And he is just, um, he's been a very negative influence on our, my family's life. And now that I know that there's not, you know, and what's funny is had I been asked that day to sign a non-disclosure agreement, I would have. That's obviously was a mistake on somebody's part, you know, but right. I feel like there was a reason that that didn't happen. You know, now I can tell, you know, what I know. Yeah. And you have been talking, you know, publicly for the, at least the last couple of weeks. I've seen you. It might have been before that. Or am I getting that right? It's been a couple of weeks now that you've been sharing this story. The first tweet I did was, I believe, um, two weeks ago on so Wednesday. And to be, to be honest with you, I saw his face on the television. I walked by the TV. It was actually 
my grandmother's death anniversary was the day before. So I was kind of not in a great mood anyway. And I saw his face and I saw him sauntering around, just living his life carefree and in a commercial. And I just saw red. I went on Twitter and I posted, I don't even remember exactly what I posted. I posted two posts and it did have my mom's wrist pictures, which are my pictures. I took them. And I thought I, they were down two hours later. I, I decided, you know what? Think about what you're doing. I took them down two hours later. The next day, his attorneys, why they contacted my mom, I don't, or my mom's attorneys, I don't know because this was me. They, you know, they contacted my mom. I wasn't at home. So I get a phone call and she's kind of yelled at me like, what are you, what did you do? What did you do on Twitter? And I was like, oh Lord. Um, yeah, I was, I was, like, I was wondering what her response was because I know that you did this of your own volition. So yeah. Was she, she was upset with you initially? Yes. Okay. She was, she, Cause she didn't know the, the, um, you know, they were taken down and she's like, what are you doing? You know? And you kind of yelled at me and I'm like, I took them down after two hours, you know, and they're down. And in those two hours that, you know, that people noticed, but you know, they were only up two hours. And I honestly, this is, was kind of Thomas's mistake. I probably just to respect my mom at that point would have shut up. He had his attorneys after they were, you know, I pulled the, the tweets, which I didn't have to pull. He has attorneys contacted my mom's attorneys. Again, I don't know why her attorney, you know, I was one who did it and complained that I had left up two hashtags that they didn't like. And I didn't know what they're talking about, but they didn't like that. I had like left up Catherine Dennis and Thomas Ravenel's name. And at that point, I was just like, really, after all you've done. Mm -mm. So I've gone kind of Twitter crazy since then. So they're, they actually complained about hashtags. They sure did. Okay. okay. To my mom's attorney. And that's when I started tweeting, you know, if you have a problem, you need to contact me. Not my mother's attorneys. This isn't, you know, has nothing to do with her. And his attorney later, you know, after, you know, there was a Fitz News article. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is on your website, which we'll link up to. Yep. Which, you know, details, you know, um, what happened to my mom. And uh, so Thomas's attorney, you know, accuses me of being a liar and of defamation of character. And I challenge back. I, you know, I'm telling the truth. You prove to me where I have lied about anything. So yeah. I know I, that they threatened to sue Will Folks, who runs the website, and I've yet to hear anything from anybody. Well, this is this is was going to be my question for you because, of course, the immediate response by Thomas's camp has been that it's defamation of character, and he, we, as we know, he's very litigious. You know, he will sue anyone. So. I was wondering what your response to that is. And it sounds like you're just standing up on your side of the truth, you know, and you're not going to back down. What will happen if he does bring suit against you? Will you go forward or will you drop this? I mean, what are you thinking? I, I challenge him to bring it on. That would just be, I'm not going away. I have only told the truth. The truth will stand. Um, I mean, he does. I haven't defamed his character. Everything I've said is true, and I have facts to back it up. Um, and like I said before, if I was going to make something up, I certainly wouldn't pick you know Thomas Ravenel, who's really a nobody in the grand scheme of things, to me. Yeah. And what do you say to the trolls and to the critics out there who are saying, "Well, she's just bringing this up now to gain notoriety"? I mean, is this what is your response to that? Because we have heard this argument time and again for everyone who comes. You know, this Me Too and Time's Up movement is going on, and that seems to be the classic accusation. What's your response to that? I have heard the notoriety. This isn't about notoriety for me. Right. This is, it's really two things for me. It's, number one, I, I really want the truth out there. I'm hoping someone else will come forward. And also, I'll be honest with you, I would like to see Thomas Ravenel off, off of Bravo, I would like for my mom to not have to worry about seeing his face when she turns on the television. And even her story aside, I feel like the way he speaks about women, uh, the, I mean, the quote, I'll quote him here because I have it, to a woman 
on Instagram who gave him advice on a car seat, his, his response, if I wanted your advice, I'd beat it out of your gross face. Was I this mean, recent? This, it's all over the internet. It's, I don't know. I've just looked up, you know, things Thomas spouted out. And um, there's screenshots all over the internet where he, yes, it was a very nice lady simply giving him advice on a car seat. And that was his response. If I wanted your advice, I'd beat it out of your gross face. Wow. Well, I think uh, he does himself no favors on the show or on social media. And so he, you know, him saying this is defamation of character he, to me, and this is my opinion, and I'm allowed to speak my truth. He defames his character every day in, on social media and on the show. So I just anticipate seeing what Bravo and Haymaker Studios does with this, you know, the production company. And I think it's interesting that you're going for that angle, too, you know, that Bravo and the production is basically supporting this. It sounds like that's what you're saying, that you that you don't want to see them support someone like this. Correct. I mean, they are endorsed. They're, they're endorsing his behavior, in my opinion. And I, I refuse, especially right now, because I don't want you know, to become a discussion. I don't care about who Thomas dates, blah, blah, blah. That's sort of thing. Like I don't care. So I don't watch the show at the moment, but I read recaps of just this week's episode where he makes a joke about, um, how a, a Southern gen- about his new girlfriend or whatever, how a Southern gentleman makes a woman eggs in the morning and then, you know, puts some plan B in the eggs. Yeah. That's not funny. Yeah. No, it's not funny. He's not funny. He's not a funny guy. He's He is pretty reckless with his comments, and he's pretty reckless with how he handles his personal life. I just wonder what his lawyer's move will be, because I think it's very admirable that you're telling you know your story, and I think that Bravo and Haymaker are going to have some questions to answer, at least to the viewers, if not in a legal sense. I, I hope so, and, and if they think that like Bravo thinks I'm just going away. I will be a thorn in their side for as long as I have to be, because this did happen to my mother, in my opinion, based on knowing my mother, living with my mother, going what I heard in mediation. In my opinion, this happened to my mother. He did this based on his actions on the show. He's violent. He's like you said, reckless. I mean, I feel bad about his children, you know, him having custody or, you know, even being alone with the children. He's, in my opinion, a psycho. So Bravo does have some explaining to do. And like I said, if their hope is I'm going away, I am not. Um, I challenge Thomas Ravenel to come out and tell me where I told one lie about him. He can't because he's under a non-disclosure, which is why he's being so uncharacteristically quiet if no one's noticed i mean right if i was lying i would you know he loves twitter if i was a liar you know he would have already been on online you know bashing me wanting to bash my head in right exactly and can i ask in all honesty how is your mom now is she still upset that you have resurrected this issue or is she on board or is she just kind of letting you do your thing she is definitely not on board Okay. because, I mean, she's really, we're taking a don't ask, don't tell, because I, I know she's aware she'd have to be of the article, but I'm not going to do anything to, th- you know, hurt her. I would never do that. So, I mean, she wasn't happy with me. I don't know how she feels right now. Um, can't really talk, you know, about it with her. And that's one of the things about the NDA is... So we, I've tried to keep it simple where it's just kind of a don't ask, don't tell makes it easy on both of us. And if I felt like it, you know, it would really hurt her for me to say anything. I wouldn't, but I I think this is, like I said, it's bigger than her. You know, I don't want to see other women, you know, put it, you know, what's the word? I don't want to see Thomas hurt other women. Yeah. Yeah. Plain and simple. Yeah. Simply put, you don't want to see Thomas hurt other women. And I I wanted to know in light of this and with social media, has anyone 
in the Southern Charm world and that's in, on camera or behind the scenes? Have they reached out to you or do you know any of them like friends of friends or are they all separate from this? I do not know. You know, I don't, I, I was in Mount, lived in Mount Pleasant, which, you know, I didn't hang out downtown. Okay. I don't personally know anyone from Southern Charm. I did have a cast member who has asked a, a prominent cast member who has been asked not to be named, did reach out to me on okay. Twitter. Okay. And so privately, you mean? Privately, yes. This person asked that I, you know, not, and I can't really say what they said, but a prominent um, cast member did reach out to me. Okay. And I have seen you, you know, tweeting and retweeting some articles and things and some videos that explain your mother's story and your stance. And I noticed Tell me if I'm wrong. I noticed you retweeted it or forwarded it to Patricia, Whitney, Whitney Sudler Smith's mom. So are, do you have a connection to her at all? Or is that just to make her aware? Um, I do not have a connect. I mean, I don't know her. Um, uh, why do I tweet to Patricia? Um, I think it was just a video that kind of went over the same details as the Fitz News article. And I, I think I was included in that, you know, our mutual friend Shira, and I think I saw Pat Altschul on there too. And I was like, oh, I wonder if, if she's sort of interested in this or somehow connected to this. I just thought she might be interested in it. I don't know Patricia. I've never met Patricia. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. I just tweeted Patricia. Um, it's kind of random, really. Okay. Well, I think this is brave and I think this is a time for truth tellers and I'm happy to give you a platform to tell this story. And I hope your mom has a successful and happy life from here. And what is going to happen now with Southern Charm, with Bravo, with Haymaker, and specifically with Thomas Ravenel is a big question mark, but I will be watching and I know a lot of people will. Do you have any last words that you would share or anything you want to say about wh what you're going to do from here before we go? Um, again, really for Bravo, I'd like to hear a response from Bravo. You know, how are they going to handle this? You know, have they, have they asked Thomas about this, you know, settlement? Um, are they going to continue to put up with his misogynistic, you know, comments and violent behaviors on the show? Um, I'd like to hear from them. Thomas, you know, again, to Thomas and his um, attorney, proved, you know, proved that I'm not telling the truth. I am. I'm confident in that. I know I'm telling the truth. And if there are any other women who have been victimized by Thomas, I really, really hope that they will, un you know, realize that the man is not invincible and that, it, you know, come out. You know, I'd like to see them come out and realize, you know, he's he's just all talk. You know, I'd like yeah. to help other women, really. And not even just Thomas, but any woman who is um, victimized by a man who's, you know, in a more powerful situation than her. I'd just like to see, you know, some good come out of this. Yeah, I'd like to see some good come out of it, too, not just for your family, but for others. So tell people where they can follow you um, tell them about your website. Tell them where you're going to be communicating most. Okay, so um, I do have my website where um, I do have different, you know, postings about this case, and that is um, AshleyPerkinsOfficial.com. And I, you know, that's where some voicemails from Thomas and Facebook messages. Um, I'm probably going to be communicating the most about this on my Twitter, which is. Ashley Perkins 89. Um, I also have a Facebook and it's the Ashley, I'm sorry, it's the official Ashley Perkins. Okay. And then my Instagram is Ashley Perkins PCB, like Panama City Beach. But Twitter is probably going to be Twitter and then my website. Those are the two places where we can really follow what's going on in real time. Yes, okay. definitely. Okay, great. I'll be doing both of those things and I'll stay in communication with you for sure. And also just so everyone knows, Ashley 
has joined the Pink Shade with Aaron Martin Facebook group. So after the podcast, if you're not a member, come on over there and join and we can all have a discussion in our closed group, Pink Shade with Aaron Martin. Just type it into your Facebook browser and I'm sure, Ashley, you'd be available to answer questions. People are going to definitely want to reach out to you on many platforms after this, I'm sure. Oh, most definitely. I would love to join that. I would love to join in on that. Definitely. Great. Great. Thank you for being so open and for telling us your story and your mother's story. And I wish you the best. And I'm just really grateful that you were here with us today. Oh, I just thank you again. Thank you so much for giving me this platform. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate you having me on. It's, It's awesome to be able just to get this story out. Just thank you. Thanks again to Ashley for coming on the podcast today to tell us her story and remember to reach out to her on social media and to me as well and follow up. Stories like this are hard. They are tough to take because we don't know what the truth is, but we have to let those who are willing to speak, speak. And that's what I hope I have done for Ashley today. Beyond that, this is a matter for Thomas and her mother to know the truth about, and we can only guess. I hope that you follow up with all of us on the Pink Shade with Aaron Martin Facebook page. And remember, if you're liking the podcast, I'd love you to leave me a review on iTunes. I appreciate every single one of you who have done that. It really does help get the word out. And until next time, I will see you in reality.